0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Dogs Program
1: here on 3CR 855 on AM Dial and podcast all over the WWWs. Um, we are here at 3CR at a time of, well, very difficult time, not just for you, but for everyone. And that's the whole thing about pandemics, isn't it? It's not just about you anymore. Yes, so all those socialists out there, yes, you were right. Oh, yes, you were. It's not just about individual responsibility. It's about working together, which is what we do here because we are a community at 3CR. Uh, the community radio service. And the service that we provide here at the Dogs Programme is that we are the defenders of government schools. Government schools are schools that educate you if you turn up at their front door. And they don't ask you what religion you hold. They don't ask what beliefs you hold. They don't ask what sexuality you are or your parents are. They don't care about any of that because they're government schools. They take taxpayers' money and they educate children full stop. No questions. They are free at point of entry. That's what a government school is. Unfortunately, here in Australia, about a third of our children are educated in non-government schools. Um, They have other benefits, benefits that are sold in a marketplace. The one thing that those schools do not have is genuine community because they do ask you what religion you are. They do ask how much money you have. They do want to know what the sexuality of your parents are. They do want to know why it is that your auntie wears dresses um, instead of trousers or whatever it is that they like, because so many non-government schools have a particular and unusual set of values that go with a particular religion, which um, is fine except for the fact that um, I'm paying for that. And so here at the Dogs, just in really simple terms, we think that our money, that is the community, our money should go to institutions and schools in particular that serve everyone, that serve all of us. Nothing more complicated than that. Unfortunately, in Australia, it does get a little more complicated because so many religious people set up private schools that are funded by our money, that this creates lots of problems, and we're here to show them, even in these horrible COVID-ness times. Um, This week, um, we'll be starting a course with Jean's world-famous press release. Um, You'll be hearing from Jean later in the program. It's it's her 847th press release. It is by definition unique. You'll never hear it again for the first time, um, unless you're listening live here on 3CR, just after 12 o'clock. But if you are podcasting us, well, it's certainly worth hearing anyway because it's all about state aid and Australian school enrolments and what's happening here in Australia. And we'll also be talking about the fact that in covidness times in particular, in these troubled times, if you have money, it matters to your child's education. There are still a large number of children who do not have access to the internet in Australia. I am going to say that again for all those people streaming this and it's a podcast or... Um, listening to this in anything other than just free-to-air radio. They don't have the internet, and so their whole online schooling things becomes very, very problematic. If you have to wait for Dad to come home to borrow his phone, because that's the internet internet access for the household, they do not have their own, or indeed at all, any internet access. But we'll also be talking about kids are back at school, but of course because of this problem, some have already fallen behind. And we'll be going to America, where they have all sorts of problems. Diane Ravitch, um is, will be talking about the problems they have over there. And we'll be finishing with any luck like, with highlighting what the state schools are doing across Australia and a particular state school because state schools were ordered to return. Teachers were ordered to return as we were getting over this covid madness. They were ordered to return to put all the children and the teachers and all the people back together again. Social distancing and masks all gone away, and you'll never guess what's happened. Yes, the COVID virus has made a resurgence, Um, and so we'll be talking about one 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 great state school that's been dealing with that, dealing with that very front line, life and death issue. But without further ado, I think it's about time here at the Dogs Program we told you what was going on with our fundraising, because at three CR. There is, in fact, well, we normally would have a radiothon, but radiothons don't really work um, if no one can get to the radio station um, because I'm broadcasting now not from 3CR and our magnificent headquarters in Smith Street, but from a secret location deep in the depths of, of Melbourne suburbia. Um, and because of that, our fundraising at 3CR has proved very, very problematic. And if you want to support our community radio, What will follow is a few messages about how it's best to do that. But after that, of course, it's a special treat. It's Gene's world-famous press release number 847.
2: Many of you will be familiar with 3CR's annual Radiothon fundraiser. It's when you, our listeners, literally keep the station going with your generous donations.
3: It's a vibrant and busy time each June at the station. And an all-in effort from our volunteers, staff and supporters. But in 2020, under the COVID-19 restrictions, we need to do things a little bit differently.
2: So stay tuned for our June Station Appeal. It'll be online, on point, and be asking those of you who can to make a donation to keep 3CR alive.
3: 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity.
0: 3CR is your station in solidarity and struggle. We've been with you since 1976, and we are here to stay.
1: Throughout June, we're running a station appeal.
0: We need the financial support of our listeners to stay independent, community-owned, and radical. Jump online and
1: give what you can. Go to 3cr.org.au. Well...
0: We do hope that you will send some money into 3CR because we need to keep going. So far, we've got enough to last for a few more months, but we need a lot more. We need 250000 Now, here is our press release, 847, which will go up on our website at www.adogs.info. State Aid and Australian School Enrolment. Since the Mendes and later Whitlam governments resuscitated the denominational system of education half a century ago, there have been interesting developments in enrolment trends. And we've put a table in. And this table tells you the date, the public school enrolments in thousands, the Catholic school enrolments in thousands and the so-called independent school um, enrolments in thousands, together with the percentages. But I'll be talking mainly about the percentages. Now, back in 1964, when State Aid really started with the science and library blocks with the Menzies government, back in 1974, Public schools enrolled one million seven hundred and ninety seven thousand pupils, which was seventy six point one percent of the total enrolment of two million three hundred and one students thousand students in Australia. The Catholic schools enrolled four hundred and sixty three thousand students, which was nineteen point six percent the students, and the so-called independent, but in those days very much the Protestant schools, most of whom uh, were therefore the very wealthy Protestants, enrolled 98,000 students, and that was 4.3% of the total. Now see if you can keep that in your heads. Percentage for public was 76.1%. For Catholic was 19.6 and for private schools was 4.3. And there were, in those days, 2,301,000 students in our schools in Australia. That was after the war. We had a lot of migrant children who couldn't speak English, particularly in our public schools and also in our Catholic schools. Now there's been billions and billions and billions of dollars of treasury taxpayers money has gone into the private sector, the Catholic sector in particular. And the Catholic sector got all of this money because back in the day they had their own political party, the DLP party. Now since that time the people who belong to the DLP have infiltrated both the, um, coalition government and the Labour Party government to make sure that they keep the money flowing and the money has flowed. But what has happened to the enrolments? In 2019, this is just last year, there were nearly 4 million students, almost, almost twice as many students in our schools throughout Australia. So the population has expanded. Mm. And of those there were sixty five point seven percent in the public school system. So the public school system has lost uh from seventy-six or almost ten percent of its of its enrolment over that time. But what has happened to the Catholic system? The Catholic system now has nineteen point five percent. Of the enrolment, so it has lost since 1964. 0.1 percent of its enrolment. But if you go over to the other section, the Protestant schools, which are now not just not just but not just Protestant, but also uh, you name it, they're in there. You would have uh, Scientology schools and Landa schools. Muslim schools, Steiner schools, Montessori schools, uh, Pentecostal schools, you name it, they're in there. Their enrolments have gone from 4.3 in 1964 to 14.8% in 2019. So what does this really mean? Public schools and Catholic schools have lost, between them, 10.5% of the enrollment share to the Protestant non-Catholic schools. This means that back in the day when that Catholic sector turned political and worked really hard both within the Labour and Coalition parties to release the taxpayers' money for their schools, all they've actually achieved in percentage terms is an enrolment comparable with that of 1964. And as Robert will be telling you and will be telling you later, they're losing that. That was 2019. They've lost enrolment since 2019. So the hard lobbying has benefited the sectarian, Protestant, Evangelical and non-Christian rivals of the Catholic Church. Isn't that Interesting. <laughs> now these schools, as I've mentioned before, call themselves independent and they include a bewildering variety of Protestant Muslim Scientology and Margaret etc. Schools. And the website of their major lobby group, which calls itself the Independent Schools Council of Australia, XR, boasts about the simple fact with a table from the ABS, that's the Australian Bureau of Statistics Schools Australia, 2019. They notice that when including the independent Catholic schools, so there are some very wealthy Catholic schools that are are run by independent orders of nuns and brothers, the independent schools say they're really in with our lot. And they say that the independent sector share increases to close to 1,080 schools and over 560,000 students, which is 16% of all the school enrolments in Australia. Meanwhile, back in Melbourne, we're informed by Madeline Heffernan from The Age on the 21st of June, 2020 that enrolments at Catholic primary schools have died, particularly in the Melbourne eastern suburbs, as cost-conscious families and migrant communities choose government schools above private schools. In Melbourne's eastern suburbs, which was once a Catholic heartland, enrolments have fallen more than 12% over the period or an average 31 students per school. Four schools lost between 40 and 60% of their students. And how do we know this? We know it because of the Y School website. And in the response to this, some colleges, most particularly secondary schools, like the Emmaus College in the east of, of Melbourne, from next year are saying that they will prioritise grade six students who attend a Catholic school over Catholic children attending a government or an independent school. So they're trying, in some ways the government's doing to the universities, to force people to send their children to the primary sector if they're Catholics. But Dodds note that as Australia enters a depression, and the IMF all of the all of the pundits tell us that bad times are coming we're going back to something like the 1930s in this depression we're entering it will be the public schools and their teachers that will be expected to open their doors and produce online learning portals for the children of primary and secondary school age and if there's any aspirational parents around who have lost their jobs, they won't be able to afford the private school fees. So watch this enrolment space. Mm. So that's the press release, but Robert will tell you a little bit more about this Melbourne eastern suburbs story after this break.
2: 3CR remains closed to all broadcasters and guests until further notice.
0: The good news is that so many of our programs are producing new shows each week from home. From Lost in
3: Science to Living Free. Done by Law to Defence of Government Schools. Concrete Gang to Chronically Chilled.
2: Mafalda to Music Matters.
3: We're here with compelling content and rousing
2: radio. Listen live or listen later. Tune
3: in, stay safe and
0: keep listening. 3CR Community Radio, here to stay.
3: and not understanding why people aren't seeing the fact that prisons are an integral part of a public health response to a pandemic. Like you, I'm really concerned about whether the data is being released very honestly about illnesses within prison. I have suspicions it's not, but really we need very strong leadership in this country that actually cares about people inside our most vulnerable populations inside. That's what we need and that's not what we're getting right now. 3CR,
0: your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to 3CR.org.au. Australian music needs your help. Music festivals, concerts, and local gigs have been cancelled due to coronavirus. Artists, crew, and music workers have lost their jobs and don't know when their next gig will happen. We're all facing the sound of silence, but you can help. Visit thesoundofsilence.com.au now. And
1: welcome back to the Dogs Program here on 3CR 855 on the AMD oh, podcast all over the WWWs. Yeah, it's good to have your company again. Oh, thanks, Gene, for your press release. That was fascinating. Uh, to follow up on what you were saying about what's going on in Melbourne in particular, um, just to proceed, um, the Catholic school system of Australia is a fee-paying private school system run by the Catholic Church through various, um, I might call them shelf companies, but through various organisations that for various tax purposes mean that the Catholic Church ceases to be liable in many ways for what goes on inside those schools. Um, but nevertheless... A large number of people are thinking to themselves in the middle of the greatest depression certainly in the world has seen for over a century in these terrible, terrible times. To a couple of days ago, worldwide debt, that is debt of the world, increased to a number in, in, in percentage terms that's more than the world debt at the end of the Second World War. So at the end of the Second World War, The world was exhausted, and everyone owed everyone else too much money. And now, here in 2020, uh, we're in a situation where it's worse than that. And in those situations, sometimes aspirational middle-class parents in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne decide that sending their child to a private school is not a good use of their household budget. And the Catholic system provides a situation where you can get a private school education if you give the Catholic Church some money. Um, Now, of course, Catholic Church um, doesn't actually pay for the schools themselves. Oh, no, no, they don't pay. Um, The funding to Catholic schools is made up entirely of parental contributions and taxpayer contributions, taxpayer contributions being by far the biggest slice um, of funding for Catholic schools. But really, is it in fact a waste of taxpayers' money? And certainly from the parents' point of view, is it is a Catholic school that much better than a state school. Now, there are many parents out there that have lost their jobs and they're not going to get them back soon. We've got people who work for Qantas, for instance, who, yes, I'm sure in the future airlines will fly. I'm sure in the future people will travel the world once more. But that's not today, it's not tomorrow, and it's probably not this year. And so, therefore, they're looking at their children and saying, I'm going to be sending you to the local state school from now on because we need to eat, stay warm in the winter, cool in the summer, <clears throat> and for you to get an education. And the way we can do that is to send you, of course, to the local state school, which it turns out is actually just fine. Now, Madeline Heffernan, in The Age, wrote an interesting article a couple of days ago outlining this movement um, of aspirational parents from one one school system to another. And she noticed that St Rocha's primary Parish school in Glen Iris. now, if there can be any more eastern suburb suburb in the world than Glen iris I'm not quite sure if there is and Glen Iris really is the um, stereotypical eastern suburb is actually back in the trend with enrolments and it's rising twenty nine percent but it's back in the trend because in demand schools like Vermont South, which is a state school. Um, are actually doing all sorts of amazing things. They really are. Now, one of the things that they're doing is that enrollments in Catholic primary schools, because they have fallen by well 1.2 percent across the nation since 2014, while public primary school enrollments have increased by pretty much the same number. What they're doing is they're creating a sort of um, a lost leading situation which is to say, in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, once the Catholic heart enrollments enrolments are falling more than 12% over the same period, which, as Jean said earlier, is 31 students per school. Now, of the 26 Catholic primary schools in suburbs, such as Kew, Hawthorne, Baldwin, Box Hill, Burwood, Vermont, Mount Waverley, Glen Waverley, Ashburton, and so on and so forth. Now, you know all these suburbs. I'm sure you would recognise. Less than a quarter increased their students um, in the last five years, and by far the majority lost um, between 40 and 60% of their students. Now, Dr. Rowe said multiple factors had led to the overall decline in enrolments in Catholic schools. Firstly, there's the financial pressures, which certainly since the COVID virus has arrived in 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 2020, is going to be a very significant factor into the future. These financial pressures in capital cities may incentivise parents to seek out low-cost options, particularly for the primary school years of education. Dr. Rose said when they interviewed parents about this, it was more likely that parents feel the need to go private in the secondary school years than in the primary school years. Primary school, you don't necessarily have to pay upfront millions of dollars. It's the secondary school years that are important to these parents. Doctor Rose, said other factors were the social decline of traditional religion, a perception that Catholic schools may be religiously dogmatic, and the social stigma associated with the Catholic Church in the wake of the Royal Commission into institutional responses to childhood sexual abuse. That is, Catholic Church is not a place where you send your child. Mm-hmm. Um, to quote, Dr. Rowe said, it really is a critical moment in a time for the Catholic school system. If enrolments continue to drop, it's likely the enrolments will hit a record low in forthcoming years, she said. In addition, academic Christine Ho said Catholic schools did not resonate with Chinese migrants. And this is interesting. To account for between a fifth and a third of residents in Hill, Bournemouth and Glen Waverley. Almost three quarters of students whose households speak in the Chinese language attend a government school, while 10% attend a Catholic school. The Catholic Education Commission of Victoria said. Dr Ho, the author of Aspiration and Anxiety, Asian Migrants and Australian Schooling, said the Catholic primary schools were not able to attract a large number of Chinese Australians for two particular reasons. Firstly, there is not a strong tradition of Christianity or indeed Catholicism in Chinese migrants, and these schools are not necessarily high performing academically. Very simple. Got a love people when they just look at the numbers and go, yep, no. <laughs> um, also, Catholic principals acknowledge the challenge, but say they are doing what they can, including boosting their social media presence and targeting kindergartens for prospective Chinese migrant students.
0: Don't you love so in Glen Sorry. I was just going to say, don't you love the way they're treating the parents as consumers in a market?
1: Mm. Oh no, no. Um, the Catholic school system quite openly treats these parents as consumers in a market because their business model is under threat. Mm. And it is a business model. And as they sit in their meetings in their schools they go, Our business model is faltering. How can we increase the number of full fee paying stakeholders and these are the words they use. They don't muck around the bush. Um except they won't call the parents consumers because oh. teachers, all teachers, just go, no, I'm not I'm not I'm not a product in that way. I'm
3: sorry. Mm. Mm. Um
1: and I think teachers are teachers wherever they are, state school teachers, Catholic school teachers, independent school teachers. I'm not at any point going to go on a teacher bashing exercises. Um, but I will say the systems, um, that the Catholic schools, the Catholic schools provide for teachers can sometimes be very debilitating and a bit depressing. And people start to have meetings talking about, um, increasing their full fee paying stakeholder participation by targeting Chinese migrants in kindergartens and yeah. preschools. Oh. But to go on, but to go on to, to Dr Ho, who wrote um, Aspira- *Aspiration and Anxiety: Asian Migrants in Australian Schooling*? She says that watching Glen eyes has bucked the trend, increasing enrolments by 29%, and that follows years of decades. Uh, and in the following years and decades, um, St. Christopher's School in Glen Waverley is reporting very strong demand after topping Catholic school Naplan last year. And I think you'll find that Naplan results are something that Chinese migrants do pay attention to whether that's a good thing or not, because that's part of what they're trying to do for their children. I think you'll find in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, the NAPLAN results of state schools, and the NAPLAN results of Catholic schools, the state schools will, in general, be better. Because, as we know, the great determinant of how successful a child is at school is not which school they go to, but how their parents view their education. Now, the inner and Middle Eastern suburbs have also housed a large number of top-performing state secondary schools. So you've got things like Baldwin High School and Box Hill High School and Glen Waverley Secondary College and Kuyong Secondary College, um, which we've highlighted here on the DOGS program um, as great state schools because they are the top schools in the state, amongst the top schools in the state. I mean, not just in the suburb, but in the state. So if you can send your child to Baldwin High School or Boxville High School or Glen Waverley High School, secondary college, I should say, and you live in that area, you've got it made. You're not going to send your child to local Catholic High School. That would just be literally a waste of money for a Chinese migrant based upon the criteria that they have stated. Now, Catholic Education in Melbourne has said it was, and I quote, committed to providing the choice of a faith-based education for all families across the city. And we'll be hearing more about this because as Catholic schools functionally go bankrupt, the Catholic, Church will have, the Catholic Church will have two choices. One, they'll actually have to put some of their money in and they won't be doing that. Mm. as soon as the Catholic Church starts paying Catholics, Catholic schools, they'll realise that they're on a high end to nothing because it costs a lot of money if the taxpayer is not there. And the second thing, of course, they can do is they can scream blue murder at the ballot box and say, give our private schools money or we'll vote you out, like they did to the Labour Party at the last state election in certain electorates, and like they constantly do to the Greens political party, because the Greens political party do not support wholeness, bowlers private education funding. Although it is disappointing that the Greens political party do in principle support private education being funded by taxpayers, which I find from, from their point of view, something they should consider changing, especially in these covetous times. So if you're a member of the Greens party, I think you'll find the worm is turning, certainly when the aspirations of parents from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne start to shift from the private school sector to public school system. Um, I'll be talking more about um policy and education and stuff and the rights of kids in state schools after after this. Dog's program here on 3CR, 855 on AM now, podcast all over the world, all over this little blue planet floating in a sea of darkness. Oh my goodness, what a terrible thought. And we're all like, got this great big plague that's going to get us. Oh no, but don't worry, because we've got 3CR, because we are a community here at 3CR. We are the community radio program. We are a community radio program and a community radio station that is funded by community, which means that the funded by a bit um, gets to be spoken about in the next couple of weeks because we need the money to keep going. Because mm. if you lose 3CR, you lose community. And if you lose community, then you're on your own and you are really sitting on a little blue ball in a great big bit of black nothingness. And um, I suppose you've got your friends and that is good, but 3CR is better. So mm. if you've got some free money, um, we've explained how it is that you can um, give that money uh, to 3CR so that we can keep going because this is our version of Radiothon in these COVID-ness times. Um, look, I'm, you're probably sick and tired of listening into my voice. I'm going to pass you over to Dale because Dara's going to talk about something that's real. And Dale's going to talk about the fact that the kids are actually now back at school in Australia, which I have very mixed feelings about. But some of them have fallen well behind already. Mm. And it's got nothing to do with the colour of their hair. It's got nothing to do with the colour of their eyes. And there's everything to do with something much, much sadder in a civilised country like Australia. And I'm going to get Dale to share more about this with you now.
3: Thank you, Robert. Yes, I've got an article here by Chris Bonner. Uh, It's titled, Kids are back at school, but some have fallen well behind. The Grattan Institute wants help for disadvantaged students left stranded by the switch to remote learning during the pandemic. Around $1 billion would fund the small group tutoring needed. But is it going to happen? What will catch up support do for the disadvantaged who were falling behind well before the pandemic hit? As the pandemic began, I wrote that a mixture of learning at school and online from home might be a solution to the open or shut debate about schools. I flagged the equity implications of some families not having the technology to make it work and noted that we would certainly discover the limitations of online learning, not a bad lesson to learn but I underestimated the adverse impact of physical separation of students from their schools. A report out of the University of Tasmania said 46% of Australian children and young people were likely to be at risk of adverse effects on their education, nutrition, and emotional well-being. The Grattan report estimated that over two months of remote learning, the achievement gap between disadvantaged students and others will have widened by 7%, or an additional six weeks. The chalk face implications of this are well illustrated in the ABC report on the Children of Cabbage Tree Island Public School and their wonderful principal, Dion Anderson. The Grattan Institute proposes that disadvantaged students receive additional regular short sessions in reading and maths over a 12-week period. This tuition it says can increase student learning by an additional five months over one or two terms of school of, of schooling. It also wants to expand successful literacy and numeracy programs especially for students in the early years and proposes trials of targeted teaching and extra student well-being support. Significantly It says evaluating what works should inform longer-term efforts to close the bigger existing equity gap between disadvantaged students and the rest. If implemented, such a program and its funding should target student need and be sector and location blind. No special deals, please. The evaluation is critical. What aspects of such interventions work? for which groups of students, and, equally important, for how long. And then, over time, what impact might it have on a school system where structural underpinnings create very obvious achievement gaps? (coughs) Despite the warnings of the Gonski review, we have continued to increase the concentration of strugglers in our more disadvantaged schools our concentration of advantage and disadvantage at either SES end of schooling in Australia is well-researched, including by the OECD. It does nothing for achievement. My school data consistently shows that it is the socio-educational status of students, even ahead of the work of schools, which is having an increasing impact on student achievement. Family background has a tenacious grip on school outcomes. The, inevitability, the inevitable reality is that, as Grattan's Peter Goss has indicated, there is a whole raft of interventions needed to close the gaps and raise achievement. What contribution can catch-up interventions make in the absence of structural changes to the way we provide and resource schools? With light at the end of the pandemic tunnel, everyone wants to get back to normal. The voices seeking something better in the form of sustainable reforms across our our economy and society are already struggling to be heard. For school education, normal is hardly something to which we should aspire, especially our recent normal, which looks like regression on steroids. The Grattan Institute's current proposal should be welcomed and implemented urgently and equitably, but it is just the beginning. And that article was from Chris Bonner. Thank you very much, Doug.
1: This is the Dodge Program, you're on 3CR 855 and AMD.
2: We'll be back with more after this. 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity. To donate, go to
0: 3cr.org.au.
3: Do you need to renew your subscription, make a donation,
2: or pass on some information to a programmer?
3: We can't
0: get to the phone all the time right now, but we're still here. You can call us on 03 94198377
2: Each weekday between 1 and 5pm and talk to a staff member
3: at 03 8377
0: 3CR Community Radio Here to stay
3: Welcome to the Dogs programme. Uh we are the defenders of government schools and we need to defend government schools because they are under attack. Uh and at the moment we're talking about what's happening in these covidness times. And I've got an article here from Nastasia Kristanos about uh and it's titled Public School Students Are two point five times more likely to be without home internet. Public school students were 2.5 times more likely than Catholic or independent school students to be without access to to the internet at home during the COVID-19 pandemic. They were also more likely to experience factors such as an insecure housing or crowded homes that make remote learning more difficult. An independent national report by education researcher Barbara Preston based on a 2016 census data, uh, has found that 5% of public school students did not have home internet access compared to 2% of Catholic and independent school students. Corinna Haythorpe, President of the Australian Education Union, which commissioned the report, said the pandemic was a wake-up call for the federal government to, cl- to close long-term gaps in internet access and IT affordability for about 125,000 Australian public school students. The report has highlighted the deep inequality experienced by students from disadvantaged backgrounds in relation to digital inclusion and in particular internet access, she said. As an immediate priority, the government must carry out a thorough digital equity audit to determine the impact on students and then to develop a comprehensive action plan to address identified issues. More than 33,100 students in New South Wales were without home internet access at the last census. This included 15% of public school students at the state's far west, but just 1% in Sydney's northern suburbs and Sutherland Shire. South West Sydney had the highest number of public school students affected with 2,689 unable to access the net by any means including through smartphones. This was followed by Inner South West Sydney with 2,089 students, the New England and North West region with 1,987 students and Blacktown with 1,959 students without access to the net. The New South Wales Department of Education provided more than 8,440 internet dongles to students during the learning from home period. Labor MP Courtney Hussos, a member of the Upper House Education Committee, said that the number was a disgrace compared to the Victorian government, which provided 21,000 dongles. Our most disadvantaged students were left to fend for themselves during a period when they needed more support than ever. But an Education Department spokesman said schools had taken into account student access to devices and internet at home when planning remote learning packages. Some schools provided completely offline packages, while others used a mixed approach, he said. Ms Preston also found public school students were disproportionately affected across other factors that would impact their remote learning experience. Even if students do have access to the internet, overcrowded housing or a large number of people in the house can be very distracting, she said. 15% of New South Wales public school students live in unsuitable housing, which meant homes with an insufficient number of bedrooms compared to 8% of private school and 9% of Catholic school students. 19% of public school students also lived in homes with six or more people where noise, distractions and interruptions were more likely. Ms Preston said those students would have faced greater difficulty finding the space and quiet to complete schoolwork during the pandemic. Lots of people rubbing up against each other tends to increase the stress of members of a household. It's not really suitable for learning, she said. Almost one quarter of public school students live in single parent households compared to 15% of Catholic school and 13% of independent school students. Ms Preston said that it would have affected the time and resources that were available to support students learning from home. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander students across Australia had the lowest levels of internet access. 21% who attended public schools 11% who attended Catholic schools and 15% who attended independent schools did not have internet at home. 23% also lived in unsuitable housing and 33% lived in a home with six or more people. New South Wales Department of Education Secretary Mark Scott has said education bureaucrats have become more aware of the technology divide in homes since the pandemic. We should not assume every student has access to a device or fast broadband. He said, that's part of the work we need to do. There will be continued social pressure around access to fast broadband everywhere. And that article was obviously from the Sydney Morning Herald, but uh, still valid uh, insights into the uh, challenges facing public school students.
1: Yes, thank you very much, Doug. Uh, we'll be back with a great state school after um, this. Every week on the Dogs Program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school.
3: State schools are great. Schools. School of the week,
1: state school. School great of the school. week,
3: great state schools.
1: State, state schools, schools school are great. Of the schools. Week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dogs Program. Um, today, we got, uh, we're going to reintroduce, because it's now time we're sort of going to be try and be optimistic about a, a little segment we've had for a while called the Great State School. Uh, I'm going to talk about Brunswick East, Brunswick East Primary School. Brunswick East Primary School is, you'll never guess where, it's in Brunswick East. It's in Victoria. It's, a, it's an inner urban northern school. It's got a massive Ixia value. Um, there's a very nice number of aspirational parents that send their children there. This is a private school killer, this Brunswick, East, this Brunswick East Primary School. It's got lovely kids. Um They're really nice. They come from wealthy backgrounds. I would say to you that 90% of them come from the wealthiest families in Australia. And why not? Why on earth shouldn't anyone that turns up at the door, send their child to a school like this. It has total enrollments of 434 kids, all of which are from, guess where, Brunswick East. Um, there's about 20% of them that come from a language background other than English, which is a really cool thing. So it's a sort of a multicultural school as well, which makes it, from my point of view, if you want to get a really good education into your kids, Bring them up in a multicultural school rather than a one where everyone's the, got the same skin colour and the same religion because it's a much better preparation for life. Um, there's slightly more boys than girls, but not that many. It's around about 50-50. Um, look, there's about 26 teachers there. It's quite a large primary school if you really think about it. Um, what are their NAPLAN scores? Well, if you're a, a, a migrant from Asia, and you're doing your homework and you want to know what on earth is going on with the NAPLAN schools, you can find out, of course, on the, on the My School website. Are they good? Oh yes, please. They're very good. In fact, this year, uh, for similar cohorts, they are just absolutely stockingly brilliant. Compared to all students around Australia, um they're absolutely brilliant. They're well above the average. Except for writing, Um, Back in 2016, uh, there was a bit of a blip there. But apart from what was going on in 2015, 2016, it's all cool. Certainly in 2019, what was going on at Brunswick East Primary School, absolutely brilliant. Um, The teachers, what what goes on there? I mean, what is it about this particular school that makes it great? Well, I can tell you right now, the core of the curriculum is all about creating deep learning, that is, learning you don't forget, okay, that's a technical term, Um, by creating experiences. And the experiences are respectful and reflection on what you do and what you say and how you act and what you learn. Uh, Reflection is actually an active part of what the kids do. So when you learn something, you're encouraged by the entire school community to reflect on that. And if you do, it all of a sudden becomes part of, learning that you don't forget, which is deep learning. Um, Children at all levels learn through inquiry, explicit teaching and active participation and, of course, discussion. So there is involved in this process 2 plus 2 equals 4, tick, 2 plus 2 equals 5, cross, there's explicit teaching going on here, but there's also inquiry based learning and active participation, all sorts of things going on at the same time. It's quite a large school, so it's got two principal class um people, so it's got sort of two joint principals supporting the twenty twenty-seven or so teachers, which as far as I'm concerned is a good balance and a good number. Now why is it a great state school? Well as far as I'm concerned it's a state school That opens. They were told to open by you and me, by the, by the government, which represents us, in the middle of the plague. And they did. They did what the government said. And they opened. But now they're closed again. Because the Brunswick East Primary School in Melmans North will be closed until at least this week, probably the week after, because of course, um, there's been a case of coronavirus in the school. So bravely, they have gone out and done what they needed to do. Those teachers, those principals, those parents, those students have trusted the government, and in their case, it's gone, it's gone a bit wrong. And do you know what? That's okay, because it's not going to be the end of Brunswick East Primary School. Brunswick East Primary School will come back from this, no question. A Department of Health and Human Services spokesman said about the school that the closure would allow, of course, for contact tracing and deep cleaning to occur in that school. Further investigations will now be undertaken by all the relevant authorities and it will be supported to open again once more, hopefully, when the plague is over. I'm still quite nervous about all the people who are being forced to go back to school, and one of those great schools that did so with with confidence, with the confidence of knowing that they had a strong school community before, and they will again, and they do now when they need it the most. So Brunswick East Primary School, you are our great state school of the week. Now, without any question, that is, at, in fact, by for now from us here at the Dogs, um, if you want to catch up with us on our website, you can at www.a.x.info or indeed at our website, um, like, or, or you can contact us uh, through the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, or sometimes, through even now, some people brave their way into the 3CR studios during business hours, and you can contact them um, during shortened business hours um, on 9419 That's 94198377. Thank you very much to our producer for reminding me what the station's number was. (laughs) Thank you very much, Dale. I think giggling in the background is entirely appropriate because my brain is turning to much, quite frankly. Looking forward to coming back in and being part of the community that is 3CR after all this covid stuff is finished. But from here at the Dogs Program, from Jean, from Dale and myself, I have to say for another week, of defending government schools. It is by for now.
4: I dreamed I saw Joe here last night Alive as you and me Says I, but Joe here ten years dead I never died, says he. I never died, says he. In Salt Lake City, Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I.